0: Radioland, you are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario, and we are celebrating the Shortwave Theatre Festival 2022, funded by the City of Kingston Arts Fund, the City of Kingston, the Dance School of Drama and Music, and a delightful grant through the Robert H. Black Program, uh, in partnership with the Department of Film and Media at Queen's University. And we've got all sorts of fun plays happening all week long, and uh, yeah. She whiz. I'm in studio right now with the fabulous, the wonderful, the eclectic Mariah Horner, artistic director of the Cellar Door Project and festival director for... The shortwave Theater Festival. Hi, Momo. Hi, Dinah. I'm so happy to be back here. It's always a pleasure having you in our space. And some of our listeners will certainly know uh, Mariah from her, her continued work uh, with Grad Club Trivia, especially too. I have to say, when we were doing Grad Club Trivia in the early days of the pandemic on our airwaves on Thursday nights, too. Uh,
1: I know. Every time I come into CFRC, it it's one of those places where you can, like, kind of like close your eyes and see all of the other episodes of you being in here. Because, you know, I know many volunteers are here once a week or twice a week doing their shows. But I have, like, a few very choice memories here. And one of them is sitting in that little studio over there, like, making eyes through Dean through the window. What did you used to call him on, on the airwaves for the
0: trivia? The COVID
1: kid. The COVID kid. Bubble boy. <laughs> and he would sit in the little room and we would just, like, you know, we were hosting it online, on Facebook, on the airwaves. And then people would email us our their answers. And it's pretty cool because, you know, we had people from all over the world playing when we did that.
0: Yeah, it certainly was. And I don't know, it sort of transpired into this, um, morphed into this weird thing, too, where uh, we kept making weird puns, especially around the music. Yes.
1: And also there was a few teams that would play every week one of which was a team called What Island that I had the pleasure of meeting in person this summer at a festival. And it was just so funny of like, you're you, you're Momo. I know Momo. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) And then uh, there was another team called James from Collingwood. And I remember... One of the players told us that their grandfather invented the all-dress chip. And then Dean and I just every week we were hosting trivia trying to get a sponsorship from the all-dress chip. (laughs) It was really good. But, yeah, no, I was also thinking when I was sitting in this room, you know, like I did trivia there. And then I don't even know if you and I have talked about this. I think maybe the fourth or fifth Cellar Door show, which would have been in like twenty. 14 mm-hmm. we did a show that was about an escape from the pen and we recorded like a little audio segment and we recorded it in this room and it was like almost 10 years ago now and that was probably the first time that I actually engaged
0: with CFRC and now 10 years later so you can't get rid of me amazing well uh yeah. So I like how you uh, just segued right into the Cellar Door Project. Uh, Cellar Door Project is a site-specific theatre company in Kingston that you started. Tell us about what site-specific theatre is. Yeah,
1: definitely. So we started around 2012 and I I started the company with a friend of mine at Queen's I was doing drama with. His name is Devin Jackson. Mm -hmm. He's gone on to do some really amazing things in literature in Canada. He's a playwright also. But basically what happened was we were Queens students and we really wanted to start just making shows – kind of DIY, like rough and dirty everywhere we could. And, you know, if, if we looked into renting the rotunda at Theological Hall, there was there was money attached to that or, or renting the baby grand or renting any of these spaces. So honestly, our attraction to working outside of theaters in weird sites was a practical one. Like we really we had no seed money. So we're like, OK, you know, it costs X amount of dollars to rent the rotunda. You know how much it costs to rent a cemetery? Zero dollars. <laughs> They're just happy to have you there. So, yeah, site specific, theater Theatre is a kind of theatre making that mainly exists outside of theatres, and it exists in places where there's a core connection to the actual story that's being told. Okay. Yeah, so since 2012, we've done probably about 15 or so shows in Kingston, including one here at CFRC in the first ever shortwave, and we've done a few in Ottawa, and uh, most recently, we did the show at CFRC, and we did one and the Grad Club And we uh, did some historical research. I worked with Tracy Guptill from Anarch Theatre and Kay Kenny, who's an amazing dancer in town, Liam Bidmead and uh, Connor Price-Kelleher. And we did some research on the grad club and then re-performed a show in the grad club. Mm -hmm. So that's
0: kind of my interest in site-specific. But
1: honestly, it started because I had no money.
0: (laughs) I still still have the dream of doing a site-specific play about the Wolf Island Ferry before the the new ferry gets... uh, gets put in and I'm not sure if they're decommissioning the other one or they're letting the two of them do their thing. Who knows? Oh, that would be so
1: good. The fairies is is a great site because I'm usually attracted to places that are like very placey, like that have a lot of, I think about places that are like a church, right? When you enter a church, even if you're not, you know a a person practicing in that faith like there's something about the building that makes you behave in a certain way quieter or you're soft on your feet and I think about spaces like that that kind of demand a lot of your attention and make you change your behavior and I think the fairy would be a good one you know the wind in your hair and it's got that kind of like chug 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 kind of movement to it
0: which would be fun Mm -hmm. what would you would you write it about I don't know, maybe a little bit of a love, a quirky love story. Aww, between Kingston and the island? Yeah, Aww. people meeting, going, oh, one person goes across, and then the other person goes across, and then they just sort of ride the ferry together oh, back I and forth on a on a, on a on a sweet hot date. <laughs> I love, this is one of my favorite things about making theater in Kingston,
1: is that I don't know. Obviously, you have to apply for grants and do the work and do the legwork. But also, sometimes, like, there's not that much space between I have this cool idea and let's do this cool idea. Mm -hmm. I've made work in other bigger cities. And and sometimes it feels like there's more loopholes to jump through. And I feel like the audiences in Kingston are really generous. So even when you're just saying this, I was like, okay, let's do it next summer. Let's just try to do something like that. Right? I, I love that kind of, like... I don't know.
0: It's fun to just be able to think of something and then materialize it. I think, yeah, maybe we can materialize it. We'll have to go on a hot date together. That's it. get inspired. Spend a
1: few hours going back and
0: forth, Lake Ontario. (laughs) I love it. So stay tuned, folks. (laughs) There could be a project underway. So, okay. Uh, Now, Mariah, you have, uh, yes, you've talked about um, your time and all of the projects that you've done with Cellar Door Project. But you've been in theater and doing theater for the bulk of your life. Mm. Was this always something you were doing from childhood where like were you in the school play and you played the little whale or something like that or (laughs) the star the tree
1: (laughs) it's funny I went to a I grew up in Ajax in the GTA and and my my dad is a, a hockey coach and a sports person and so is my brother and they were very good at you know I tried everything I tried all the sports I did swimming and curling and baseball and I sucked at all of them and then once I proved that I would try and fail they were like okay let's do something else and I started doing singing lessons. That's how I started. And I joined this little theater out of Oshawa. So, yeah, when I was in high school, I was doing musicals as a kid. And in Oshawa, I would do high school musical or, you know, there was a really cute one that was based on the poems by Rudyard Kipling that I still think about all the time. It was a beautiful play. And then I came to Queens and I can remember – Uh, I had just done a gig as a – I was a child actor and I just did a small role in an HBO Canada show. And I was like, I don't want to be an actor, mom and dad. I'm going to go to university and I'm going to be a classics major. I'm going to major in classics and history. and I'm going to be a teacher. And then I did that for like a year and then I ended up back in the drama department. And I loved it. Like, you know, I I really – I loved the bigger questions that came with studying drama and theater in university.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I really, you know, the, the medium is the message and theater, live performance is a very specific kind of medium. So I really enjoyed like kind of tackling performing arts and live arts in a theoretical concept at the same time as making some like little shows with my friends. Right. So um, when I was at Queens, I did a lot of shows through Cellar Door and then I did some musicals. Um, and then now, like, it's interesting sitting in this chair talking to you because even since the first time we did shortwave, my practice has changed a lot. I'm not really making theater anymore. The the last shows that I did were here and, and at the grad club, and I'm so happy to be a part of CFRC's uh, shortwave radio theater festival. But now my practice is is really different. I'm I'm singing in a band, and I teach kids music, and last week I sung at a senior's home. It was precious. So I'm really, like, I feel my, my – Theater career has taken a step back a bit right now, but in in favor of a lot of other larger kind of questions or a lot of other new endeavors, trying to trying to understand what theater and music and performance does for people beyond just it being my career.
0: Okay, well, and. Uh, Well, I understand too. You did uh, dramaturgy during your master's degree and now you're in the midway point of a PhD here in cultural studies. You just finished your thesis proposal. Defense! Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. Your qualifying to... exams are done, so it's all thesis for you. That's
1: it. I'm now ABD, a PhD candidate instead of a PhD student. And shout out to Dinah for my many pep talks that she gave me over email about all of this. <laughs> so yeah, then that was the other thing that coincided with stopping making theater a bit for a while was with starting the PhD, and I just loved it. Obviously, I'm still looking at theater and dramaturgy in my PhD, but again, I'm kind of looking at it from a more theoretical perspective right now.
0: Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit, because when, you know, we think about theater, okay, isn't theater maybe just something like people like look at scripts and take direction from somebody in terms of how they should uh, perform, act, or behave on a stage in order to uh, really solidify a particular character and mm-hmm. what their persona is going to be, let alone remembering the lines? That that seems to be like the the basic. That's what theater is. But there are theoretical questions mm-hmm. that you and your peers uh, certainly are looking at. What are some of these big questions that really sort of drive theater as a discipline, mm. as opposed to oh performance? Gosh.
1: That's a big question, Dinah. You should write a PhD on that. <laughs> I
0: already have a PhD. <laughs> <Ayo>. I'm done. <laughs> Never done
1: again. No, not again. <laughs> So I think about it through what theatre affords us as a medium, right? So one of the things that's like a, a core element, core value of theatre and live performance is about the gathering, right? Mm-hmm. Different than other art mediums, there is a certain sense of community and here and now that has to happen with live theatre. You have to be in the same room at the same time. You that, that live component, that co-presencing component, I think is a really interesting opportunity when it comes to world building when it comes to conflict management when it comes to relationality and dealing with people obviously there is a certain set of relations that happens when you make a painting and you put it in a gallery and somebody sees it but when you're doing live performance all of a sudden you have this opportunity to like look people in the face
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the same room as you so when i'm looking at theater in my phd as a as a practice for world world building in the realm of abolition of police and prisons so if i look at abolition some of the core questions of abolition are about conflict management or about how do we deal with people um, who have been harmed or who have caused harm. And the thing about theater is all of a sudden you have real people in the room and conflict is a core component of theater as well. Mm-hmm. So the way I'm looking at theater is, you know, as a as a site for here and now, um, extremely presenced gathering what kinds of things can we work out together in theater or even in a rehearsal that we can't work out in life or that we can't work out through sculpture or something like that so part of why I still really love you know doing the work of shortwave is that there's lots of different ways that theater can be materialized to work together Mm -hmm. the first time around when we did shortwave if you remember we were like early early days of the pandemic and you know I think we had we we're supposed to start rehearsals like March or April 2020, and you and I had this phone call of like, oh no, will we join the ranks of everyone else who had to cancel their live art events? And then we were like, wait.
0: No, there's Zoom. We can rehearse in Zoom. We can rehearse
1: it. We can record in Zoom. So all of a sudden, the whole first year of Shortwave, all of these artists who couldn't use that like presencing here and now collectivity in real spaces, we could do the same thing on Zoom. So it really still afforded that kind of like intimacy and friendship and co-creation and mm-hmm. collaboration, even though the even though the the conditions of the world kind of restricted that Mm -hmm. so i think that theater you know although as a medium it really needs to evolve and 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 shake some cobwebs off its shoulders i also think like endeavors like shortwave teach us that the the core principles of theater um Help us make art in really cool ways that sometimes can explode through the the circumstances of the everyday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it was so amazing. Like I, I get real emotional when I think about the first time we did Shortwave because you know obviously we made really good work, but I think for a lot of the artists that were involved, you know, career-wise, it was a really scary year of like, oh gosh, my bread and butter is through live performance and now nothing. I, I can remember for me, I got. You know, the week after the the real big quarantine hit in, in March, I had like four days of phone calls of like three years of work being canceled. And I was like, oh, God, guess I got to do something else. Mm-hmm. But here was shortwave and all of a sudden there was, you know, 25 artists that could at least rely on on one art project to, to make and, and to be paid for and, and to be creative with. So I think you know, like I said, theater really affords a lot of special kinds of collaborative creativity.
0: And one thing that I've loved about Shortwave and the two projects that we've now worked on uh, over the last few years, uh, that we bring together uh, so many different folks uh, from the community. Uh, Some people are students, some people are youth. Mm -hmm. We have a number of folks that are under 18 that Mm -hmm. have participated in the project. Uh, But we also have a lot of seasoned actors who have been doing this for decades as well yes so opportunities for collaboration between uh, seasoned and emergent artists
1: oh and it's been huge like I can remember the first time we did auditions a dear friend of mine an actor Tracy Guptill she showed up and it was like oh gosh she's been a she's been an actor in Kingston for years and years and she pulled out this like Russian accent or something and all the directors were like gasp gasp amazing. And I think that, you know, even in that case, like Tracy was working with some people who had never directed before. And that kind of learning with each other, I think was really amazing. Again, especially in a pandemic when people couldn't work together. This this week during this radio, during shortwave this time around, you'll hear some of these actors, like like Donna said, a few of which are under 18, are, are high school students. Another actor that I just loved working with, her name is Elizabeth. She's featured in Half Past Lunchtime. She's in her 80s. And you'll hear in a talk back that we recorded earlier that she was like, I really loved doing shortwave. And if anybody else wants to hire me, please reach out. <laughs> but it's amazing, right? Like she. Elizabeth was just fabulous to work with. Like, she sounds like a BBC actor. Really, when you hear this show, she's fabulous. Haley, the playwright, told me that she, like, beefed up the monologue when she heard how good of an actor Elizabeth was, right? So Dinah's right, like... Having these kinds of collaborations, I think it's really good to show the city too. You know, if you're if you're another artist that's listening to shortwave this week, like shoot us an email if you hear an actor that you really love or you 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 know, hear some sound design you really love. Like, I think one of the things that's cool about shortwave is, like Donna said, some people have never done this before, and we'd be excited to to help them kind of continue the work in the future. And I mean, I think about even you and I, right? Like, I think you are a lover of theater, but mm-hmm. I don't know what your what your journey with theater is over over the years like are you an emergent theater artist Dinah?
0: (laughs) Well I suppose possibly um I have no real background in theater whatsoever I might have played the whale or the star or the tree (laughs) in one of those school plays way back in the day um but, yeah, I, I I've always had an interest in theater period, enjoy going to watch theatrical performance., uh, but one of the things too, as a person who you know, runs this radio station and knowing that there are there's a deep history here at CFRC in radio theater already. Uh, and I was inspired. Uh, about uh, about the Shortwave Theatre Festival and working with you and approaching you about the project when I was just digging through the old filing cabinets in my office and there are folders and folders of these pieces of paper with uh, scripts from radio theatre plays that were performed, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. They're falling that. apart, right? And I'm like, ooh, who wrote this or who put this together? And well wouldn't that be nice to sort of try to get a couple of folks together and see if we can um do yes. a, a series of performances and and I really like the idea of well what if we you know what if we looked at you know play adaptations for example is one of my things like uh you know what if we did like the wizard of oz but in a kingston context mm. you know like we're all going off to Fort Henry to go see <laughs>
1: The wizard. the wizard
0: or <laughs> or, or something or some character of similar import i suppose and the wicked witch who would be the wicked witch that my character.
1: wizard actually lives at reed's dairy i'll tell you that <laughs> oh, the, in order to appease my wizard you have to get a loony shake
0: so <laughs> My partner regularly stops for chocolate shakes <laughs> at Breeds too makes a point of doing the special trip.
1: But Dinah brings up a great point, which is there's something so like old and new about radio theater that I just love. You know, Cellar Door, when we first started, we were interested in historical sites. Yeah. CFRC, having just celebrated their hundredth anniversary, woo-woo, shout out. Also a historical site. And hearing that there's a deep history here of radio theater also attracted me to Again, dig up some of the old ones and also do some some new ones. So mm-hmm. this week in the programming, we are rebroadcasting a few a few shows. So we're rebroadcasting a few shows from the first short wave 2020, and then we're also broadcasting two shows from the the vault quote unquote. Um, one of which maybe Dinah can talk about is called the Windy Drama, and I think this is although it's not from 40 50 years ago, I think this is one of these shows that you you found
0: and you were like, oh, you've done this before. Well, and recently too. Well, not. Sort of recently, the uh, the Windy Drama, I believe, was done in two thousand nine. I'm not, I'm not off the top of my head. I mm-hmm. can't remember, but a couple of staff members and a a number of CFRC volunteers uh, at the, who were involved at the station at the time just uh, got together to uh, create a script and perform it. Um, you know, based tentatively around the. Uh, various controversies associated with the wind farms over on wolf island mm. so what what is a windy drama mm. I, i'm not too sure and i don't want to give it all away either but
1: see maybe our maybe our fairy show is a sequel of the windy drama <laughs> the, the windy drama well it can get windy on the fairy. it's dear. true it sure can it's true but i had my master supervisor in ottawa katherine prince told me she's like you know real good original thought is about doing a an old thing in a new way or doing a new thing in a new way or doing a new thing in an old way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously oversimplified, but I really think that rings true with, with radio theater as well. You know, I, I really think that there's a lot of opportunity for looking backwards to look forwards. Yeah, And, you know, as a medium, it has withstood the test of time. And I think that I'm really grateful to be, bringing some new energy into that medium specifically here in Kingston.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that also interested me when I was thinking about what might this festival look like mm. and what could we do with it and where could we go from there? Um, one of the things that I guess my my own inspirations, one of my favorite radio dramas ever is uh, it was on in the 2009 2010 on cbc a two-year series called monsoon house Ooh. about an uh, indian canadian family um and uh, who ran this publishing house and it, it's just a hilarious comedy but uh generational stuff going on too with the with the main character the protagonist uh, and how he gets along with his sister and her uh, parents etc and trying to figure out how to go forward in this business and what Mm. he wants to do with his career just loved it Uh, i loved it so much like i i paid for it (laughs) to just sort of have that means something when it comes to media yeah but no like it's oh what a fun thing to listen to on a long drive kind of thing oh i've got Several, I've got a five hour drive, but I've got, you know, five hours worth of awesome content to listen to. It's like books on tape, but better. Totally. There's something really intimate about it. Yeah. But I don't know, just like listening through it, too. And then just like, yeah, they they spend a lot of time on other things in the background that you don't really pay attention to, like the score and sound effects. Totally. And, and, you know, just thinking of, well, there are many artists in this community, notably Matt Rogalski, who is a Foley artist, and he teaches this uh, over in the Dan School, too. And he's uh, graciously hosted a couple of Foley workshops mm-hmm. through each of our festivals, too, providing opportunities for uh, community members and, uh, even the shortwave team totally. to, um, learn how to make sound effects with random stuff. Oh,
1: yes. And the best part of that is that I remember when we did the first Foley workshop, there was a realization of like, oh, we're doing it like the pros. Like, the practice doesn't actually change that much from Kingston to Hollywood, right? Like, they're still stepping with boots on their hands in a box full of gravel, just like we are, or jingling keys a certain way. Or I remember Dean, who's another, you know, regular here at at CFRC, was, like, pouring milk back and forth in between two containers, and... There's something really special when you think about the simplicity of that process, right? Like, again, it's an, obviously they have more equipment when they're working with the big budget folly things. But the principle of the practice is the exact same. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite talkbacks... Um, and it was the first time around too, uh, is with some of the artists from the Soundcastle series, Jeremy Kerr, who worked under Matt Rogalski, I think was a student here at Queens and is now at Algonquin studying library science, which is great.
0: Oh, sexy degree. So
1: sexy, so sexy. But also was mentioning about the reason that he loves doing sound design was he was like, you know, especially in radio drama, things don't even, like the cues for picking up an environment is way more complicated than we even think of. Mm -hmm. So he always gives the example of like a summer night where he was like, if you go outside on a summer night, like how many times are you actually hearing like crickets that loud or, you know, but he was like, you know, there are cues that are kind of manufactured that we've been taught that cue us to think summer night or hot day or empty gym. Um, and whether or not those are in the real world, they're often in these sound designs. And and I think, you know, a lot of the sound artists on this on this festival, Chancellor Merkel, who also worked on Half Past Lunchtime, did a really amazing job of crafting these s- sound spaces as really four-dimensional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Half Past Lunchtime is a play written by Haley Sarfeld, and, and Chancellor Merkel was the designer on it. And uh, it follows a cat. So it was very funny doing emails back and forth that was like, excuse me, can we have a bit more of the
0: cat barf sound? Now, as somebody who has spent a lot of time on stage as an actor, as somebody who has spent a lot of time directing people and as somebody who has also spent time participating in the creation of radio theater, I'd like to hear your thoughts on um, some of the... um, likenesses and and maybe some departures from the two practices if you will stage versus radio Mm. one of the things I find also intriguing about radio drama is that uh, whoever's doing the performing the actors need to still be able to convey body language Mm -hmm. or mood Mm -hmm. but they don't have gestures that people would otherwise rely on with visual cues when you're watching it on stage or, or even on film or television what right. are your thoughts this is huge right this was when we first put the call
1: out to playwrights this was kind of the main question that we asked right which is we we're we're interested in shows be them adaptations or originals that are specifically for radio what mm-hmm. can you specifically do in a radio drama that you can't do in other places and I remember the first year that we did this, we had a, a playwright named Risha Andre, an amazing playwright that I knew through my time at Queens. And, and she wrote this piece and it was like a historical ghost story, like a lesbian ghost story. And one of the things that she was interested in was she was interested in like sex and intimacy on in radio drama you know, sex and intimacy full of gestures. How do you convey that through your voice? That's not just like heavy breathing on the radio, right? Like we, <laughs> we don't really need heavy breathing on the radio, but it was a great question. And mm-hmm. I think that the the show A Strong Girl did a great job of figuring out ways that music can heighten that kind of like physical intensity or silence or, you know, sound design can heighten these kinds of these kinds of like extremely intimate moments that aren't just about using gestures. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things I would I would that I have learned from two practices, which is, again, like, trust the imagination of your audience mm-hmm. and know that you can kind of abstract your work a bit, take a step into the abstract, because your audience is smarter than we think they are sometimes. And they'll fill in the blanks in really kind of imaginative ways.
0: And and that's the key, right? Because something like, uh, well, for example, a strong girl where there might be um, a, a few moments in the play where there's an intimate touch, even just know taking a hand or something like that that would be obvious in the script Mm -hmm. or something but somebody can't see that Mm -hmm. somebody is taking somebody's hand or um, touching them very affectionately so yeah just like where you have the sound and the score kind of feeding and and accentuating the mood it allows the listener to be able to transport themselves into the moment and imagine what, one, the characters look like Bingo. and what the scenario or what the scene looks like, but also what they're doing.
1: And I just, I'm so attracted to the trust in your audience that that comes with that, right? Of like, you're working on stage, you're making that scene, you're painting that wall, you're you're, you know, doing a light, you're telling the audience what time of day it is through lighting design. On the radio, you have to, there's, there's a certain level of, like, you know, stepping back and leaving more gaps. And I think that It's hard for our artists to have that kind of light touch, but I do think that Radio theater might require you to Mm -hmm. have a lighter touch and really, really put a lot of the sculpting and the world building into the audience's imagination, which is like scary, I think, for an artist, but also like, oh my gosh, it's the whole point, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing that comes up when I think about the difference between the two mediums is liveness. And I'm really excited because in both Shortwave 2020 and in Shortwave 2022, we have a mix of both. We have a few shows that have been pre-recorded because pre-records allow for... Sound effects and and different kinds of artistry that live shows wouldn't. And then we have two live shows. And, you know, Shortwave 2020, I worked with Sean Meldrum and Wallace Caldoza on this show called Talk to Me, which was a live call in radio show. And part of the premise of that was that I was co hosting with somebody and we were supposed to be in a relationship and there was, like, kissing and stuff like that. But I was in the station in CFRC in Kingston and Sean was in Toronto. And we had to, like, convey this, like, intimate touch. But I was just kind of, like, softly touching Dean's shoulder and pretending it was Sean. And Sean was, like, on Zoom in Toronto. So that was really fun asking that kind of question. This year we have this amazing live show coming to us by two artists, Mark Cassidy and Suzanne Hirsch. The show is called Late Nights with Mark DeC. Also a live show, also framed as a radio show and I can't wait for listeners to hear this because Chancellor the the tech manager here was saying like gosh I think that people are really gonna think it's a like a a CFRC programming like think it's gonna think it's a regular weekly show and I love the fact that it's live I love that we've taken these two mediums taken a risk doing the live the live broadcast, Um, but I love that it's leaning a bit more into the live theater element, a bit more into the live radio element and I can't wait for listeners to hear it. it's a really beautiful show. So I think that this question of liveness can be flipped on its head for different purposes and for different uses. So, you know, shows that are pre recorded, maybe aren't live, um, have this like ability to have a very rich soundscape. And sometimes shows that are live have that like little magic of risk and failure that um, other live performances do. It's interesting to me that both of the, the live shows were framed as radio shows. So the conceit's not that thick right? Uh, and I think they work really well because of that. And I, I I, always laugh when I think about, you know, people tuning in to CFRC during the Shortwave Radio Th- Theatre Festival and wondering is this real? Is this a play? And Mark was saying, like, are we going to have a disclaimer at the top? It's a play. And I was like, you know, I, I, we are. But if somebody's just driving home and gets in their car halfway through, ends up listening to a whole play, that's exciting too, right?
0: And I hope it inspires a new talk radio show. Right? A couple of my friends years ago, thought about doing uh a, a, so i wonder if we could start a sex talk radio show like back in the 80s and 90s with dr ruth westheimer yep. or whatever her name was but, but they'd call it between the sheets
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it i love it too but i don't know uh, I'm not sure if anybody wants to take that on. I invite people to do talk radio. I think it would be absolutely fun to have live chats on particular themes yes. of cultural and political import, social justice import, or any theme. I like cooking. What are you cooking in your kitchen today? Right? And, thing.
1: and again talking about like what is the the what are the theoretical questions of this? Like, oh gosh, if we were to do a live radio show here you and I are actually talking about things, actually meeting face to face, having disagreements, working them through being in the same room while we do that. Right. And I think when, when you talk about live radio, radio, I'm like, it's the same as theater. <laughs> it's the same thing. Right. Except maybe a bit less rehearsed, which is even more exciting for me. <laughs> Bring it on no rehearsals forever.
0: No rehearsals. And and it and it goes quicker, too, because you don't spend all the time editing. <laughs>
1: right. Well, you know? it's just a good point. And I mean, that's the other Another interesting thing between the mediums, when I was doing a lot of acting, I found it very stressful because I am, have a busy brain, and sometimes I would be kind of watching myself act, you know, like leaving my body, watching myself act, being like, don't forget the line, don't forget the line, and then inevitably you forget the line because you're obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, so I found it very stressful. Radio theater, not stressful. You've got that script in front of you, you can do a take or two, you get some direction from the the director you can wear your sweatpants like it's a really different i'm totally wearing sweatpants right now me too (laughs) it's awesome fourth (laughs) wall shattered um but i just think again like here shifting to another topic which is accessibility right like accessible to make obviously there's a, a lot of equipment here but cfrc is an amazing place for volunteers to learn equipment and like gosh you could learn this stuff for free here run shows it's amazing um, so it's accessible to make by way of you know you don't have to memorize any lines you don't have to have fancy budgets but it's also accessible to listen to which is really exciting to me right this is a free festival This is a week of free arts programming I love the Grand and the Isabel but you're not seeing a theater show for less than $25 at that those places and mm-hmm. this is free you know I'm a, I'm a prison abolitionist so I get very excited when I think about the fact that CFRC has a history of broadcasting into the prisons in Kingston with prison radio. I get really excited when I think about the fact like this is going to be broadcast into prisons. This is going to be broadcast around. Nobody has to pay for this. You could turn it off if you don't like it. But I think there's a really kind of um, accessibility opportunity that comes with radio theater that I've just not experienced elsewhere. Even when I was running the Fringe in 2016, 2017, the tickets for, for the Fringe were cheap, but they were still 10, 15 bucks. And I just get really excited thinking about kids just turning this on. Or again, you're like just making dinner and oops, you happen upon the show, right? Like I think theater as a medium, like is really works hard to get people to get their butts in seats. Mm-hmm. And haha, here comes Shorewave Radio Theater Festival just playing on your radio.
0: Well, one of the things that I hope that folks uh, take away overall uh, as we proceed through uh, the whole festival week. I, I'm hoping that other people also just sort of feel inspired. I have this little bit, bit of a dream where I can, uh, oh, I'm going over for dinner or something like that and hanging out with some friends. And, you know, we we'll, might play some cards or a board game or maybe hit up a show downtown or something like that too, which I, I adore doing. But wouldn't it be fun if, okay, folks, why don't we all just act out a play together? impromptu as well, just like here's a script, everybody gets a part and you read through it and then Try to play the role and see what you get.
1: Oh, so this is my my other work and research is around participatory performance. So I'm doing my PhD and looking at abolition and theater and dramaturgy. But I'm also working with an amazing person here at Queens, Dr. Jen Stevenson, and we're co-writing a book on participatory performance. And Mm -hmm. again, what theoretical questions? What does it afford? And there's this amazing show that comes out of the West that sounds like the show of your dreams, and it's called Plays to Perform at Home, and it's by this amazing company called Boca del Lupo, and They have, I think, four different box sets, but it's a box set of four different plays, and each of the plays has... Uh, you know, three four or five different copies of the play mm-hmm. exactly for people to read it around a fire. Would and you... it, it was made during the pandemic because, you know, Boca del Lupo wasn't making other shows. So they were like, okay, why don't we hire playwrights to write plays for you to perform at home? And I remember my friend my friends and I once we uh we, we went to go visit somebody on Howe Island and we spent all night around a fire reading the plays. Oh, that's so fun. And it was amazing. Like we would just read them, maybe we would switch characters and read again, then we would just chat. And then we would, you know, have a beer or two and
0: then we'd read another one. But you can experiment with the characters, too. Like, oh, this person, you know, I'm just reading through. Oh, it sounds like a, you know, 50s somber business guy or yes. something like that. But you could totally, you know, ham it up or, Try it. or make him sound murdery or something like
2: And see that, how right? it changes
1: the play. And I think yeah. that, you know, I am really attracted to that kind of unprecious exploration and obviously there's a lot of value to the capital P professional arts and shortwave is a professional theater festival we pay the artists that are involved um but on the other hand I also think that theater again um can be used in different contexts as a way to just hang out with your friends you know you could watch a movie or you could just read this and it's it's just fun to do right Mm -hmm. and and I think that you know, this non-precious kind of play and participation. You know, all of the shows in shortwave were well-rehearsed, but there's a different kind of unpreciousness that comes when you're just, like, chilling in your sweatpants with a microphone in front of you, trying things ten times, as opposed to having rehearsed for four weeks to do a live performance on a stage with 400 people in the audience. Like, there's a different kind of, like... Seriousness and although professionalism and seriousness is important in some contexts, I think also shaking some of that off um, might get more people into theater
2: mm-hmm. in
1: general. Like this is one of the principles of cellar door was. I read this amazing book a few years ago called Theater of the Unimpressed, and they make the argument in the book. Jordan Tenhill makes the argument that theater as a medium is like quite extractive from people. It requires you to go somewhere. It requires you to sit still. You know, different than watching a movie, you can, like, pause and go to the bathroom. You can't really do that in theater. You can't really pause what's going on. Um, So I think about radio theater as maybe, like, a little bit of an antidote to this because it's still live. It it can still be live. It's still theatrical. There's still script. There's still storytelling. Um, But you can do it in your living room. You can do it while you're making dinner. You can pause and come back to the podcast episode of it. There's just a lot of freedom in the engagement that really excites me. And hopefully... Again, I have a dream like you that somebody's just driving home, somebody who has like maybe never seen a play in their whole life is just driving home and happens upon CFRC and then is stuck listening to the whole thing and just like loves it. (laughs) This even happened with my boyfriend Cameron. There was a rehearsal of the Soundcastle series. And they were using my Zoom account. Mm-hmm. So I left my Zoom account playing in my living room while I think I had to leave the house or something. And it was just playing in the in the living room. And Cameron was home. And, and all of a sudden, I come home and he's like sitting cross-legged on the bed, like fully just like 45 minutes into the play. And it was a dress rehearsal. And he was like, oh, sorry, I've just been listening. It's really amazing. <laughs> but, you know, he's not necessarily someone who is like like scoring through the grand theater, theater programming. But he just happened upon it and it pulled him in and he listened to the whole thing and I love that about this festival I love that it just might end up in your living room without you even knowing (laughs) I think it's it really makes me feel very hopeful I think about young people and old people or people who've never done this before hearing this and wondering like oh maybe I could try something like this and the answer is like you can you totally can you know there's you can I had. I worked with this theater artist at the white horse once and he said theater is really just making whatever you can with whoever is around. And that's pretty true. <laughs> and I'm really happy to have worked with you and CFRC because I think that you've really opened my eyes to how possible that really is. How possible it is to really make really high caliber work. But like just put out a call. Just assemble a team. Just rehearse. Just put it on the radio. Like it's really it seemed very easy,
0: which was very fun and it is and it was very fun. It's
1: cuz yeah, Dinah's is a real a real remarkable producer. So, you really Well, thank you. She knows how to write
0: a grant. She knows how to keep it together. <laughs> well, you know how to bring everybody together and keep the flow going and yeah. Thank you so much for all of the work that you've done on this wonderful festival oh, for you. 2020 and 22. So, folks, um yeah, I think I think we'll um move into some fun programming, uh, more additional programming, but visit shortwavetheatre.com that's our website where we have uh, the um, the the list of all of the plays that we're featuring this year including some partnerships with single thread theater and the thousand islands playhouse uh, some plays that have been written performed directed and sound designed by local artists and uh, and and a, and a number of artist talk packs as well mm-hmm. so uh, we've got a great week of wonderful programming and you can learn more about each of the uh, performances, but also the theater company itself uh, and all of the people uh, who are performing or or participating and creating in this mm-hmm. project too. So it's shortwavetheater.com. And as we are broadcasting everything on the airwaves, we'll also be podcasting them. So follow shortwave on uh, iTunes and Spotify as well plug plug
1: and there's something in here for everybody like Dinah said there's four original plays various topics one thing I'll say before we wrap up is I think all of the plays this year all of the original plays this year can be summarized by like some everyday magic I think all four of the plays that we worked on this year um follow really everyday moments and like explode them into something really magical um so I'm really excited for audiences to listen to that so there's shows every night uh like Dinah said some podcasts from the great people at Thousand Islands Playhouse highlighting their season that they had this summer just amazing interviews um done by Sophia and Alyssa uh Sophia and Allison sorry And then the other thing I'll mention is the last day of the festival, which is Sunday, Mm -hmm. is Kids Day. So on Sunday, we have four hours of programming, a few talkbacks, and also three shows – like kind of four shows, um, that are all suitable for kids. Uh, so there's a show called Garden of Edith by the folks at First Ditch, which is just an amazing little play set in uh, like in, in the King's Court kind of neighborhood. Uh, and then there's uh, three episodes of the Soundcastle series. So if you've got a kid and you want to tune in uh, Sunday, November 6th from noon to 4,
0: I think you can uh, listen to kids programming too. So there's late night adults only stuff, but there's also... And then, yeah, maybe some local kids who might listen in might be inspired to think about joining the shortwave theater camp that CFRC will run next summer. Yes. Thanks to a a good grant from the uh, City of Kingston Arts Fund as well. So we will be doing more uh, shortwave-created programming in a free accessible camp format. So summer camp for kids to come to CFRC to learn how to, one, make radio and, two, learn how to make plays on the radio happen as well
1: i love it and yeah you'll hear this week we're also interviewing Anne marie mortensen who is the artistic director of bottle tree and she's working on this as well and, mm-hmm. and she's been working with kids in kingston for years um so i'm so excited about how shortwave next year is, is shifting a bit to work with specifically kids because like wouldn't you want to listen to a, a radio play made by an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or
0: something i think it will be magical so magical <laughs> i think it's going to be really fun All right. Well, folks, we have been chatting with Mariah Horner, the Festival Director of Shortwave Theatre Festival and Artistic Director of Cellar Door Project. I'm Dinah Jansen, Executive Producer of the Shortwave Theatre Festival and uh, the Executive Director of CFRC. Uh, It's been a pleasure chatting with you. It always is a pleasure chatting with you, Oh, you too,
1: Dinah. I think we've been pals now for like at least five or seven years.
0: I don't even know anymore.
1: I know, but from like, you know, just over a, over some french fries at the grad club, we were like, this could be a cool idea. And here we are, two festivals down. So I'm grateful that you picked it up and it's been really fun working with you and, and all the artists. Big shout out to all the artists involved in this year's festival and in 2020. We all tried something new. Everybody was extremely creative and patient with each other and understanding. And I think, I think all the listeners are really going to enjoy this week. So every day this week from 8 to 11, um, from Tuesday to Saturday, 8 to 11 There's programming, and then Sunday from noon to four. Tune in to the Shortwave Radio Theater Festival 2022.
0: All right, and with that, here we go. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Coming up on November 6th at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts is a piano performance by Angela Hewitt featuring the works of Bach, Mozart, and Chopin. Learn more about tickets for this live performance at queensu.ca/slash the CFRC's annual funding drive is now underway. Pay it forward with CFRC this year and help us build a new accessible website, support station operations, and fund a free radio theatre camp for Kingston youth next summer. Every dollar counts. Donate today at CFRC.ca.
3: To encourage area residents to get outdoors for some exercise and to interact with nature, Cataraqui Conservation is bringing back its popular Hike Challenge, running from October 1st to November 27th. The Hike Challenge provides an opportunity for individuals, small groups, and families to explore the trails at Cataraqui Conservation-owned Conservation Areas. Participants can choose to do the full challenge, eight trails, or a half challenge where participants complete four trails to keep the challenge as fresh, fun, and interactive as possible. The process and outcome is more user-driven, as we invite participants to register on our website, then head out and hike their favorite trails at each of our conservation areas, as well as any section of the Way Trail, and take a photo during each of these individual hikes. Photos should demonstrate why you love that trail so much, and can include plants, animals, your family, friends, pets, or anything else that exemplifies your trail experience. You then upload your photos to Katarakway Conservation's Hike Challenge photo contest page to complete your entry. Winners will be chosen by all who visit the page. Voting runs until December 4th with winners announced the following week. For more information, Google Cataraqui Conservation Hike Challenge.
0: Martha's Table
1: needs your help. The number of people in need of prepared meals has increased by 164% compared
0: to pre-pandemic. The Martha's Table 22nd Annual Empty Bowls fundraiser is November 6, 2022, and your ticket purchase will increase food security
1: in Kingston. Tickets can be purchased from Eventbrite and are $65 each. If you'd like to learn more about the event, call Martha's at 613-546-0320 or visit their website at marthastable.ca.
2: Thank you.
4: is dead but you don't know yo let's carve hey where's the blow get your fiddle get your bow. play some footballs on your whole. watch your watch play a little flat make the session go over time where it's at Less unique. It's so good, new RV and the leisure suit. Hey, I play shit, but I love that loot. The union, it's so great. Only a few get to be on the date. Those other schmucks with electric guitars got to play for poots in the beat sky. Been to the Berkeley school. You give clinics on the side.
5: Pussycat, I've got flowers and lots of hours to spend with you. So go and powder your cute little pussycat nose. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you, yes I do. You and your pussycat nose. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's new, pussycat? Pussycat, pussycat. You're so thrilling and I'm so willing to care for you. So go and make up your big little pussycat eyes. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. Yes, I do. You and your pussycat eyes. What's new, pussycat? Whoa. What's new, pussy cat, oh 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 Pussycat, pussycat, you're delicious And if my wishes can all come true I'll soon be kissing your sweet little pussycat lips Pussycat, pussycat, I love you Yes, I Pussy cat lips. Mama. You and your pussy cat eyes. Mama. You and your pussy cat. No.